The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Miller Lite, and Hulu. Good Tuesday evening, everybody. Welcome back into another edition of Bears All Access. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer. Jim Miller joining us as well for an hour of football conversation, Bears style, as we go uh, post-NFL owners meetings. These mild posts of the offseason continue to come come at you quick, and uh, now we're into April, and so it's draft month. And so no matter where they're picking, it's exciting to look about uh, what might be available come around third, fourth, fifth round, and potentially future Bears and hopefully a couple of starters down the road, maybe even in 2019. We'll see. But a lot still going on. Uh, you guys did the show last Monday without me, and um, during the course of the week, Jordan Howard was um, dealt to the Philadelphia Eagles. You re-sign Aaron Lynch. So those, those two are the big uh, personnel moves this week. Yeah. I, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Jordan Howard. He always carried himself as a quality guy around me, and I, and I think he's going to have a successful career in the NFL. <clears throat> but when you look at what they – think of in a running back it's changed over the course of time with coach Nagy here what they want out of the running back what they want their inclusion to be inside the offense is different than what Jordan Howard kind of offered them at this point um so you know uh Jordan he's going to go to a good football team and you know Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson they have enough respect for each other that that's kind of a you know not a not a buddy trade, but it's a respect trade. They respect Jordan Howard, and they put him in an opportunity to succeed. Big Jim? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, again, you wish Jordan Howard all the best. He's been very productive. You know, Philadelphia, these these were out there even going into to last year, towards the end of the year, that Philly was calling and inquiring about George, Jordan Howard, and they, they want more of that, that power straight-ahead run. You know, I think we, we saw how they – you know, really made it to the Super Bowl and how they utilized the Garrett Blunt. And they, I think they felt that that was missing. They had injuries at the running back spot a season ago. I also think, uh, and Coach Nagy has kind of touched on it, sounds like he's interesting in, interested in Cord- Cordero Patterson and how he'll be utilized. Uh, again, every team he's been with, he's he's logged carries a, as a running back. Does it mean more jet sweeps, things like that, that uh, Cordero does very well, and he's had a lot of productivity. Mentioned he was really the a two-week bell cow for the New England Patriots when they had injuries at the running back spot. And again, there's some backs later in the draft. Sounds I, I think the Bears, you know, and I've been talking about Dexter Williams uh, for ND for quite some time, bigger back who can run with power uh, that potentially maybe those guys are on their radar screen uh, later in the draft because Again, that that position just seems like it's been fungible. You, you look at what you know, Le'Veon Bell. I don't think he got the contract that was even as good as what was offered a year ago. And you look at some of these trades that have gone down for the running back position. I think sometimes that position has been a little bit devalued over the past couple of years, and 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 how teams are looking at that position. You know what? Uh, the change in the position to me, Jim. It seems like that. The Bears want a running back that can go to to can break the huddle and be the primary receiver in a route. Whether he starts around the backfield or he goes at the line of scrimmage, and that's one of the traits that have changed over time. Because you talk about the the battering ram that Philadelphia wants and what they're getting in Jordan Howard, I think that's what's different about the evaluation of the running back position right now for the Chicago Bears well, and going forward. Hey, look at a guy like Duke Johnson. Supposedly he's on the trade block for the for the Cleveland Browns. And he's intriguing. I just it, I ran this by Tom uh 
about he's an hour ago. Most yardage for yeah, receiving look at yards the yards. out of backfield. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's he's a very effective back. So you know, but in the end, you still need a guy who's going to be able to tote it twenty yeah. times when you're trying to put away games and so forth. And you like to get a guy fifteen to twenty carries. You know, especially well, in November, uh, December. We talked about it about Jordan. Well, do you want what, do you want a guy or the offense to have him? The carries I'm talking about. Uh, I I always look at it. I I try to look at it as roles. I think you do need a bigger back for for that type of role, you know. In terms of to pound it, even you know when you look at uh, you know when Kareem Hunt went out for uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs last year, you know picked up the the slack. It was Damian Williams, who's a bigger back, and he played well come postseason. So you know I you know I think Mike Davis is a lot better than what people realize. Who the Bears signed. Uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, he had a stretch run last year uh, where really he had some opportunities, and I thought he could pound it uh, for a bigger back, and that's why I kind of think it that could be another mix. I don't know where Ryan Null is in terms of his development, if they trust him in that spot, but I would think you would need another bigger back on that roster if Mike Davis were to go down. Well, they have chances to pick up a back, as you said, Jim. Lots of running backs in that third to fifth round range of notes. Pick your variety. There will be a lot to choose from. When the Bears go to work on the draft here in just a few weeks. We're going to step away. When we come back, expected to be joined by DeAndre Houston Carson back for a fourth year with the Bears on special teams and in that defensive secondary. With Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back into Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller with you. And we are pleased at this time. Oh, by the way, we are brought to you by... IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. DeAndre Houston Carson, uh, Bears draft pick three years ago, come on back for a fourth year, and the special teams stud and defensive secondary, I'm going to say versatile player because the man did play corner and safety in college been playing that nickel at times, big dime, you name it. He's played it with the Bears. Good to have you back in Chicago, DeAndre, and welcome into the show tonight. Uh, really excited to have you back as a Bear because I think a, a lot of what you did sometimes gets under gets lost in uh, under the radar a little bit, but you made a big impact on special teams and as a role player on defense. Even with the switch and coordinators, did you see yourself filling a really good role here to come back in 2019? Well, first, thank thank you for uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'm definitely excited to be back. Um, and uh, yeah, I look I look forward to having a good year. Hey, DeAndre, last year's success during the season as you started to climb those stack those W's, as they say, <clears throat> did was it did the wins energize you guys, or did it put more pressure on you guys because where you came from the season before? No, I, I think I think winning uh, just creates positive momentum. I wouldn't say it created any pressure for us, um, but you know the atmosphere is, is just better when you win. Well, when you look at it from your perspective, and you got in there and it did such a fantastic job late in the year, do you think you'll be utilized in that same role? You know, have you talked to to Chuck Pagano at all, at all in terms of your role for the Bears here in, in 2019? Yeah, so I haven't talked to uh, Coach Pagano yet. Um, look forward to, to meeting him. And, and as far as my role, uh, I'm not I'm not quite sure what it's going to be yet. I just know I'm going to uh, go out there and and uh, do the best I can and keep trying to perfect my craft. And then you know whatever role I do have, I'm a, I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. 
Fourth year Bear, DeAndre Houston Carson with us here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Jeff, Tom, and Jim with you. Uh, DeAndre, uh, back in college at William Mary, you were an outstanding special teams player, but you had this knack for blocking kicks, and it, it was really almost uncanny. I think you had four block punts. Uh, you blocked a bunch of uh, field goals and, and, and extra points and whatnot. Has it been... Uh, something that has served you well here to even have you circled for other teams as a threat to do that in games because I think it's one of the most underrated uh, tough things to do, really, because guys can bend that edge, but it's the ability to get there and get their hands in the right spot, go tack at the football as opposed to the actual kicker and, and make those, those plays because I'm sure you were circled by teams knowing that this was uh, something that you were a weapon with. Uh, you know what? I, honestly, I haven't, I haven't got to the uh, block a kick. And since I've been in the league, three years, um, which is something that I uh, am disappointed in just for myself and uh, a goal that I always have and something that I've um, been working on during the offseason. Um, and so, I, like I said, I, I don't know, you know, if that's really – the teams even really know that, you know, because <laughs> I haven't put it on film yet. And so uh, – but I say yet because I, I think that I can – think that I can still do it. What's the key to it? Um – for one, I think the get off, um, and and then just finishing. I mean, a lot of guys get around the ball. I uh, just gotta just gotta be able to to really keep your eyes on it and, and finish through. DeAndre, you know you you don't have very many opportunities during the course of your career to increase your value at the end of the season. So you come and you sign a one year deal. You have a new defensive coordinator. You had you had a good finish to the season last year, and you're going to be one of the key components in the special teams core here, which is as important role as is starting in in some aspects. Do you feel that this is an opportunity for you in your football life to increase your value down the road, not only for the Bears but for any opportunity that's presented to you? No doubt, no doubt. Anytime you get a chance to put something out there on film, to put it on the tape, uh, you know, it's a great chance to show what you're all about, and I look forward to the opportunity. Well, you talked about uh, honing your craft, so to speak. I mean, where do you think you – what would you personally like to work on to where you feel you need to get better at in, in terms of your overall skill set? Uh, you know, there's a few things. I think uh, you can always increase your, your knowledge of the game, um, which is something that I've been trying to do over the last few years. Um, you know, foot, foot quickness is something I've been working a lot on over the offseason, um, getting getting stronger. Um, and, and then, yeah, just uh, finishing, you know, this – there's uh, only so much drill work you can do at the end of the day. You got to go out there and put it on tape. So. Hey, DeAndre, you know, I was I was looking back and reading about you, and it said that you did 13 reps in the bench press back of the combine. Are you stronger now at this stage of your career, being able to invest more in the nutrition, the weight rooms, um, compared to where you were as a senior in college? I, I would say so. And I would say that uh, over the last few years, I've just been trying to um, – Pick up guys, um, pick up things uh, from the guys around um, the facility, you know, pick up uh, certain things that they do as far as the nutrition and recovery and all that sort of stuff, um, and just try to add that to my game so I can, so like you said, I can be stronger. Well, it, it always talks about defensive backs. You always talk about the, the your feet and all that type of qualities mm-hmm. that you have to have in order to be a great player. But the upper bo- part, the upper body part of it, is equally as important. You know, to stay healthy, make sure that you, you're keeping your your head in the game and all the aspects that's required of you. Yeah, I would say that's true. And, and like you said, as far as staying healthy, you know, strength is obviously a key part of that, and um, something that I'm trying to uh, continue to grow in.
DeAndre Houston Carson, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score kind enough to spend a few minutes with us. Uh, you mentioned you're working on foot quickness, and and oftentimes you'll you'll hear about what quarterbacks are doing in the offseason, what they're training, how they're training, who they're training with. I know Mitch has uh, been out there with, with some of the guys at receiver, just getting some routes in and getting that timing down even at this stage. It's important. Um, but you don't hear about everybody. What did you decide to do this off season in terms of maybe hiring somebody to help you through maybe increasing your footwork, foot speed, and whatnot, and anything different than you've done at any point pre- prior in your NFL career or in college? Yeah, I've taken a little bit different approach this off season um, as far as um, just trying to get around a, a few different trainers. So I've been working with uh, with my trainer John McNulty uh, over this off season. He's up here. Um, in, in Libertyville, Illinois, and then also uh, a place, uh, EFT, um, in Deerfield, Illinois, um, just getting over there and working with those guys. Um, and then a lot of it, honestly, is just, is just personal. You know, a lot of it's just uh, what I'm doing when no one else is around uh, that I'm trying to work on. Have you been to the new facility yet, and have you been and seen the locker room and picked out your locker? Yeah, the, I was in there on Friday for the first time, and it's... Uh, Were you blown it's away? Yeah, it, it's special. It is. It is. Go ahead, Jim. uh, Well, I was going to ask you, do you have any thoughts on, obviously, the expansion of of replay? We'll include offensive pass interference as well, but say you, you know, as a a corner or a dime or anything, you know, potentially if a quarterback's even throwing away from you in in your defense, you know, they could potentially call defensive pass interference or offensive rub routes. We know those get called all, uh, you know, or get run all the time in the NFL. Uh, Do you have Mm -hmm. any early thoughts how it's going to impact you in, in how you play, or do you think it's going to affect that, that a coach can now challenge non-calls in the NFL for pass interference? I'm, I definitely would think that it would affect, you know, um, the game strategy, uh, Hail Mary situations, um, and th- things like that. Um, but as far as, you know, how it will affect our game personally, I'm not quite sure. Um, I guess as we get closer into the season and talk with the team and coaches and stuff like that, we'll have a, I'll have a better understanding. A couple of more minutes here with DeAndre Houston Carson, the Bears uh, returning free agent signee and entering his fourth year in the NFL out of William & Mary. You know, it's a great question by Jim because a year ago at this time, everybody was wondering exactly how the helmet rule was going to impact the game and if it was going to be flag after flag. And, you know, as, as you sit back, it, it, it didn't seem like that big a deal in the end. How did you feel as a player adjusting even in the early days of training camp and into the preseason for what the, the league was now going to call? Yeah, so um, our defensive coordinator, old defensive coordinator, uh, uh, Coach Fangio, um, I think he, he had a real practical approach that, that it kind of resonated with me. He just said, you know, the rules are the rules, and as players we have to abide by them, and we have to find ways to um, to do that. And so I think it would be the same thing for the uh, for the pass interference rule. Like you said, I don't I don't know how big of a deal the helmet-to-helmet rule ended up being last year. Um, but at the end of the day, as players, it's our, it's our job to adjust. Have they? Have you got any job description of what's required of you from new defensive coordinator Chuck Pagano? Uh, no, sir. I, I haven't talked to Coach Pagano yet. That's something I want to do probably within the next week or, or so, just get in there and, and talk to him. More so just to get to know him as a person, and um, I'm sure we'll talk X's and O's as well at some point. With your, with your downtime and what you were dealing with uh, in free agency and, and all those type of things uh, for yourself this offseason, how did you rejuvenate? Um, so my wife and I, for one, we, uh, we took a trip out to South Korea for a few weeks, um, after the season, which was really fun. 
Um, and besides that, I mean, we've just been kind of around working. Um, I like to read, so I kind of just hang out, read, maybe write, um, and just hang out with my wife, try to spend some time. You know, it's, it's hard for her during the season, so try to really spend some time and build our relationship. So you're writing. What are you writing, if I may uh, ask? Just, you know, just my journal. You know, just personal thoughts. Right. Okay. Not personal, po- poetry Jeff. or anything like that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, some no, guys, right? Right. Some guys. Hey, all these guys got hidden talents, DeAndre, right? So nosy, right, isn't it, DeAndre? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to know, do you actually write it or you type it into an iPad or a tablet or something? No, I write it. Good you for know, you. Sometimes I guess I'll type, but it feels better just Good to write Good for you. It. All right, we're going to let you go. Uh, before we do, um, the excitement around this team obviously is palpable, and it was all created by what you guys did under Matt Nagy and, and as a collective unit last year on both sides of the ball, special teams included, and you guys won. You went to the playoffs. Uh, the is it feel like this team is still bouncing from that momentum that you guys created last year? Because every season is different. You got some new faces. We got a new coordinator on defense and whatnot. But just from talking to the fellas, is the excitement still palpable? For sure. And uh, I can't speak for, for the whole team. I can't speak to everyone else. But I can definitely speak myself, for myself and say that um, even more so than excitement, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, last season created a, a bigger hunger a more deep hunger for me, knowing that knowing that we have a real opportunity to to, to make the ultimate goal of of bringing home that trophy a reality. And um, obviously, it's a whole new year, new players, new coaches, and all that. But um, but we know we know, or at least I know, um, what we're capable of, and so it just creates that hunger for us to go out there and work and put it on tape and do what we need to do to, to achieve that. All right. Well, we wish you great success uh, coming up here in 2019. Thanks so much for taking some time tonight. Thanks, DeAndre. For sure. Appreciate it. DeAndre Houston Carson, Chicago Bears defensive back and special team star. Joining the program when we come back. How about some phone calls? 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Hey, the 2019 Miller Lite Chicago Bears draft party will be held on Saturday, April 27th at Soldier Field from noon till 6 p.m. The event will feature on-field activities, locker room tours, player autographs, and, of course, live draft coverage and analysis from Bears football experts like Tom Thayer. Get your tickets today at chicagobears.com slash draft party. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Yo, we're, we're got, we got lots going on. The only on. thing better part of the show last week was me reading the introductions at the start of each segment. <laughs> Better? Yes. Yeah, you think I just you was think more fluid. Really? I practiced during more the day. More fluid. Yeah. More fluid than you, I? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You had lived there. Say. You added words. Yes, I did add words. Jim Miller with us as well. <laughs> I mean, these these offensive linemen, I'll tell you, Jim. Hey, he brought up something to me that I want to bring up the, earlier today because he's trying to link the past to the current Bears team. And, you know, history sometimes repeats itself and other times it doesn't. What, what, Tom wore triple number two? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I almost believe that for a second. <laughs> did you really? Yes. Oh, come on. I did. did. I, hate, I hate April Fool's because my mom was always so mean with her April Fool's jokes growing up as a kid. So yeah, I'm my always on Kelly guard. The, same, the 10 o'clock last night, she texted me, Jim, <laughs> says, oh, how about the numbers? I'm like, wow, Cal, now you got to read all the fine print. There, you know, that, the Bears did release that for those you didn't know. But um, So 1984, the Bears were 10-6. They go to 15-1 in 85, win the Super Bowl. Tom Thayer's first year in the league. 2001, Jim, you guys 13-3 from 5-11 and 11, uh, and go to the playoffs. Very good year. 05, 5-11 to 11-5, then the Super Bowl in 06. So the 2018 version, 12-4 after a 5-11 and 11 
season, the expectations are significantly higher than they've been here around here in a very long time and almost a daily occurrence from national writers or broadcasters talking about the Bears as a Super Bowl contender, local writers included. Do you see any similarities, anything you can weave through all those different well, decades of Bears football well, and your own personal experiences? Yeah, I think like anything else, you know, a lot of things have to go your way. Certainly, you got to put in the work in, in the offseason. You know, here Cleveland, there's all kinds of expectations for, for Cleveland. And already, you know, their new head coach, Freddie Kitchens, is trying to temper that enthusiasm because it's true. Just because your roster on paper looks looks terrific and, and everything is headed in the right direction, like how Cleveland finished their season or how the Bears uh, finished their season under, under Matt Nagy, you got to put in the, the work and the preparation uh, the following year. You know, injuries have to, are a factor. Uh, they've got to go in your way where you don't miss crucial guys or critical guys for a period of time. I did like how the Bears had the, the cautious approach last year. Normally, if a, a player was banged up, they normally keep them out one more week to ensure a player uh, was healthy. But there's just so many things going on in the ebb and flow uh, of the season. And, and certainly the, the players got to come prepared to perform. You know, you gotta, you know, you're judged on a on a one week basis in, in terms of completing your pet your test and passing that test. And I think the Bears are more uh, more than willing to do that. I think they realize the opportunity uh, that's ahead of them, and that's really really up to the players. They've got to go out and they've got to perform. Uh, when that those lights are on and your numbers called, it's time to step up and, and perform and execute way you've been asked to do you know when you look at the analogy of success the following season after all the years we talk about 84 was a great season for the bears but i always hear about legendary speeches by dan hampton on the plane about how this is never going to happen again to the bears in the way all these seasons concluded even the erlacher briggs peanut team that went on to the super bowl the way the season ended the year before it seemed like it always finished with confidence going forward and I and being a part of the '85 training camp, but not the end of the '84 season, you got you kind of hit it midstream and just hope you could jump on and hold on because they're not looking for a lot of jobs. There's not looking for a lot of people to make those teams. Just like in all the other years, after you have a good year, you want it to transition to the success of the playoff and Super Bowl success. And it's interesting to think about those teams because you are you and I were around them as broadcasters along with Jim knowing about the 84-85 transition and now seeing this transition from what they were able to accomplish last year in what is expected of them this year. Out of us as fans, it's I think it's interesting for the people and the fans of Chicago and what are their expectations because of what they've seen in the past out of Bears well, football. Well, it's certainly, Jim, not a coronation, as you say. Yeah. I mean, just because you well, did it doesn't mean it's going to happen yeah. again, obviously. But, and that's, but, that's the beauty of the I'm NFL. But I'm talking about the, the attitude you you completed the the last season, and how does that spearhead and kick you off to the next year? I know it's not a gear, it's not a ticket to the playoffs, but the atmosphere you're walking into that facility with in that first team meeting of Matt Nagy this year, there's going to be a lot more known than the unknown from last year. And yeah. Jim, I keep f- focusing on this one word, and I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago on this show, and it's growth and trying to figure out where your biggest growth is going to come from because they haven't. Uh, invested a ton of money, obviously, in free agency this year. There are not going to be a lot of new players on this roster as of right now. Uh, If you look at the top 46, there's going to be seven new faces right now, not including the draft or what else they might do. That's growth. Growth on your key 
yeah. players well, that are young making that next step, and, and namely yeah, Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, here we just you know we just talked to DeAndre Houston Carson. You know, you look at that Callahan and what he was dealing with the foot injury later in the year. Sherrick McManus has to step in, play snaps here. DeAndre Houston Carson, he's called upon. These guys aren't newbies anymore. You know, this isn't his first year out of the draft. More is expected. You know, he's more of a, a mature player. He understands the game a, a little bit more. You know, and it's interesting again, and I've I've just pulled out the cautionary tale as we've done these Bears All Access shows every week and had the opportunity to interview Malik Jackson today for the Philadelphia Eagles. Here he's on a Jacksonville Jaguars team. They're one play away from going to the Super Bowl. AFC Championship game against New England in New England, giving New England everything they can handle in their home turf, a Gillette Stadium. Come back a year later in 2018, all kinds of talent on the roster, and they absolutely lay an egg. Absolutely lay an egg, whether it's injuries, players not getting along, Leonard Fournette overweight, all the the trouble stories that you hear because they didn't prepare themselves uh, correctly. So, again, they're the cautionary tale. Normally when teams finish strong, you like to think they can carry that over and how they finished the season from the year before. A lot is expected. This team, I think they identified that they're pretty good, but you got to go out and put the work in. If if you don't do that, you know, Jacksonville, again, is my cautionary tale of a team that went from first to worst. We say worst to first, well, it can go the other way too. Yeah, let's hope not. Jeff Joniak, Tom Fair, Jim Miller with you uh, at the owners' meeting. The conversation on the offensive line, Tom, they're open to consideration of a move of Cody Whitehair to guard and James Daniels to center. You know, I think if you talk a lot of offensive linemen have come and gone with the Chicago Bears, they have always talked about that they thought James Daniels was best fit for center and Cody could be more explosive, more powerful, use his athleticism and be more dominant at the line of scrimmage because when you take that that instant of snap to conversion to a forward momentum, you know, there is a, that's a tough transition. There's not a lot of guys that can do it, and I think James Daniels is built for it. And I think it'll help the offensive line. I, I really do because mm-hmm. you still have the versatility of Cody Whitehair to take the place if if worst case scenario happened. How yeah. would you have been at center? Uh, nothing like Jay or Olin. I would the, the thing that uh, the thing that um, was so hard is to take all your momentum going backwards and then have the confidence to go forward with the equal speed and ferociousness and stuff. And I always, you know, I think when you look at Olin and Jay. Um, they're two players that played very similar style of games. They have power. They got quickness. They're super intelligent football players. So that, for me, was just a position to go into game day and be able to be a backup, but I never wanted to be a starter there. And it it just sounds like Harry Easton. They didn't want to overload James Daniels too much here in his, his rookie year. Here he comes on, makes an impact at, at the left guard, just learn one position, get it down, contribute, those type of things. And here it's a whole new offense. You know, I, I, I do believe Harry Heastan, when he talked about, hey, you've already got a rapport relationship with Trubisky and in the center and Cody Whitehair, and Cody's comfortable in making all the calls and those type of things, is a vet, more of a vet, veteran player in terms of the ropes, and it's probably just an easier transition, I would think, for James Daniels. Now going into his second year, in the offense is familiar with all the all the concepts and you know they feel he's more of a, a natural center and that's what he was tabbed of out of Iowa just a natural center that can get to the next level I mean Olin's probably better equipped to, to break down his play but it just seems like that was the the thought process of offensive line coach Harry Easton. and I think um, James Daniels will go back to snapping the ball the conventional style that Mitchell Trubisky and the the shotgun snap quarterbacks are used to when they had the 
the awkward knuckleball flight of the snap of Cody Whitehair, I think James will go back to the original way. All right, time to step away. Mike Chen and Herb Lawrence are with us here tonight on Bears All Access with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. 312-644-6767. If you want to jump on, we've got a half hour to go on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lauren Screeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night, 10.35 p.m. on Fox 32 Chicago, or watch anytime at chicagobears.com or on the Bears official app. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jim Miller with you, 312-644-6767. Time for some of your phone calls before we exit at the top of the hour. Before we take some phone calls, the Alliance of American Football, Jim, uh, certainly started with high hopes. It looked like they might have some really big name, uh, obviously with Ebersol and the Hall of Famer uh, involved with it. But eight games into a 10-game season, uh, there's nothing but disappointment about it. And I don't know how you felt about it. I know, Tom, you talked about it a lot, but Bill Polian was quite upset that they pulled the pin on it today. So was I. I was really disappointed. And, again, it's because of the opportunities I've seen created for guys in the USFL. If you take a guy like Sam Mills, who went on to football greatness, one of the best football players ever, he is a linebacker. He was about 5'6", 200-something pounds. But he was the best of the best. And his opportunity was created because he went to a small college, had the opportunity to get exposure in the USFL, and it learned to a great NFL career along with a lot of other players. So I just think that um, it's unfair for the players who really want to try to make a living for this opportunity to have the rug pulled out from underneath them. Yeah, you know, for being a developmental league, and again, we've talked about 81% of that league were, you know, formed of players that have been in NFL camps. So they were already invited to an NFL camp, whether drafted or free agency, those type of things, as a college free agent. Um, and so it's a, just about honing your skills a, a little bit more, and potentially uh, some would get plucked this year to, to join another camp. It's unfortunate. I'm with Tom. It's more jobs uh, for not only coaches, uh, f- you know, f- former GMs uh, that have joined that league, and and then you look at the the players' side of thing, even the officials who are getting uh, more training for from that standpoint. So, I, I just think you know, in terms of the bill of goods and, and how it was sold, obviously it wasn't as as well funded as what everybody thought. They just thought Tom Dundon, who took over, was just going to be you know, the savior of that league. But from what I understand, he had all sorts of parachutes to get out uh, to get out of this deal and ultimately is elected to pull the plug. And I want to talk more about this, too. Um, but first, let's get to the phones. Joe and Joliet, Tom Stomping Grounds, uh, what's on your mind? Welcome to Bears All Access. Hey, um, how you guys doing? I just wanted to see if you guys truly think that Chabisky can take the next step. Joe, um, I'll just weigh in right out of the gate. I, I do because... Uh, I trust Matt Nagy. I trust Matt Nagy. I trust the skill set of Mitch Trubisky. And the fact is, uh, it essentially was, in terms of a first-year offense, it was almost like a rookie year for him. So I am expecting growth and taking the next step means, you know, continuing to uh, move this offense in a direction and not just his own performance, but bring everybody else with him because that's really what makes a great offense. The most important thing is you have to have the player committed to everything that is he's obligated to master in order to run the position perfectly, and Mitch is committed to that. Then you got Matt Nagy, Mark Helfrich, Dave Ragone, Chase Daniel, 
um, and Tyler Bray. You have a supporting cast there, a supporting system that's all in the direction to make Mitchell Trubisky a better player, a more knowledgeable quarterback, and with the talent that Ryan Pace is bringing in, um, you got to be as excited about the quarterback position as you know any other elements of this team. And when I talked about the conversion from the year before to the Super Bowl in the Bears' history, there was always a little bit of quarterback interruption at some important times in the season where if you have Mitchell Trubisky on board and healthy at playoff time, Anything can happen. Yeah, I just I like his growth from a year ago, and a lot of that is just due to Mitchell. I agree with everything uh, both Tom and Jeff said uh, be, before me, but I just like his attitude. I think he challenges himself to get better. I think he's a self-starter. I think it's important to him. He doesn't want to let down his teammates. Um, he takes it personally when you challenge him, and he responds. And I think he's done that with with everything he was presented a year ago, and I expect it to continue, and I'm sure he does too uh, here in 2019. I think the underrated part of him that a lot of people, we don't get the benefit of seeing every day, but he, he's a fiery, like Jim mentioned it, he is fiery and he is competitive. You know, He will fight you over anything, you know, and be competitive about it. So you need that as a starting with, point. With Joe, the last caller asking the question it, it piques my interest to bears fans do they have trust in mitchell trubisky are they excited to see what he's going to bring to the table next week or do some of them still have you know a little bit of oh i you know wait and see attitude and you know right now i think with a young quarterback that's common to always have the wait and see you know just, and we brought it up on this show you brought it up with blake bortles jim you know just because yeah. a guy comes out of the gate has one good year he, he's got to have a career. Right. Like it just can't be a start and stop progress. And that's what you're banking on here with Mitch, right? Yeah, well, you, long term. Yeah. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, and I think he expects that. I, you know, you look at quarterbacks that play at a consistent level every single week, whether it's a Breeze or a Brady or uh, the great ones that are out there, even, you know, how young Patrick Mahomes uh, exploded onto the scene. I mean, that was impressive how, you know, what he was doing every single week at, at such a young player as such a young player. And I think Mitchell is capable of that. You know, he was, everybody knew he was a raw player with minimal starts coming on the, uh, out of North Carolina. Just let it marinate. Like you said, he's got, you know, the steak has a long time to go before it's, it's well cooked and, and, and ready to explode where, you know, that, that taste in your mouth that you just love it. There's still a lot of learning to do and he's, he's capable of doing it. And it's important to him. Like I said, I mean, I don't think there's anything, he's not capable of achieving. You know, that's up to him, and I just know this. He's more than willing, like you said, uh, Jeff, to put in the work. This Can guy is not afraid to work, man. Jeff, are you okay reading that Denver number? Because I think it's relevant oh, sure. to what I want to talk about right now. Well, no, it, well, you had a great quarterback in there. No, yes. I, I, well, it's just I, the I numbers. See these, you see Go this ahead. stuff that, that comes around, an, an analysis of different situations. So the Denver Broncos, for example, in three seasons – before they signed Peyton Manning, they were 20 and 28. He comes in there four seasons, they win a Super Bowl, 45 and 12. Since then, they're 20 and 28 again. They've gone back to... Well, know. it's it's the inconsistency at the position on the two ends of Peyton Manning, and then yeah. you have a guy like Peyton Manning who's there, he's committed to the position and everything that he was signed to do in Denver. And I think that's the same obligation Mitch feels to his job. He's not Peyton Manning, but I'm just talking about if you have that one period of time where you're having that same quarterback go behind center week in and week out, that's when you're going to see developments of his talents. All right, back to the phones we go. Les in Oak Park, you're on the score. How are you doing tonight? Hi, guys. Great show as usual. Thank you. 
When I left Howard Gulp, because it reminded me of Thomas Jones being released, and then he went on to have three or four great years in New York with the Jets, I think. Now they're talking about using a draft choice for a running back, but you guys and everybody, most people, say the game is won in the trenches. It bothers me that they're going to use the thinking of using a draft choice for a running back instead of a lineman, and I'd like to get your opinion on that. Well, you know, man, they ask, is the man sitting here big time? Well, you know, they went and signed Bobby Massey immediately off the free, you know, to keep him here signed with the Bears. They went and got Ted Larson, who they know all about him from having a past history with the Bears. They're young at James Daniels. I still consider Cody Whitehair a young man. Um, Charles Leno Jr., he's experienced but not old. So, you know, if, if Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace can say, all right, this is the running back that we can take in the third round. He can come in here and be a competitive competitive player at the position to earn a starting job. I'm okay with it, but, you know, Les, I, I like your thinking because that goes back to the old school Jim Fink's idea of thinking as offense and defensive linemen first. However, I think it's unique this year with Matt Nagy bringing in his system and understanding why they got rid of Jordan Howard and what they need from the position. And Jim Nolan's saying that they won't invest in the offensive line in this draft. They, 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 everything is on the table, obviously. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, they've already signed some guys like Ted Larson who's, and Bradley Sowell has played and chipped in when, when the Bears have needed. So, yeah, I can't uh, you know discount that they, they would be thinking about offensive linemen again and where Coward is in, in terms of his development. But – you know, you would think with, with Howard moving on that you probably need one more back. Now, who is it? We hear we mentioned Duke Johnson. I, I think, I mean, depending on what the trade value is there, yeah, I would think the Bears should be interested in him. That guy is a do-it-all back, runs harder between the tackles than what people think. But running backs probably were, you know, probably Miles Sanders from Penn State. He's tested extremely well. Um, yeah, everybody expects him to go in the third and the fourth, but he's tested so well and checked off all the boxes. He's a guy that's probably moved up. Elijah Holdyfield from from Georgia, he ran a slow forty. So there's a bigger back that that probably is is losing some steam. I bring up Dexter Williams, what he's asked to do at Notre Dame. Bigger back catches the ball better out of the backfield than what people think. He's a, probably a possibility in the later rounds. Guy who was hurt at Michigan State, and I'm not biased in saying this, L.J. Scott is 6'1", 225 pounds. Go watch him catch the ball out of the backfield, folks. That guy is a talented running back that a lot of people don't know about. Rodney Anderson out of Oklahoma, later round draft pick. He's probably had an injury history that the Bears aren't interested in. Alex Mannis and some of the bigger backs really don't have the wiggle. Uh, but other guys out there that, that probably would intrigue the Bears, that they would be available later in the draft where the Bears are selecting. Lots of flavors out there, lots of different choices. Tom and Lincoln Square will get to you when we come back from the break. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. All right, back on Bears All Access, 10 to go before we wrap it up here. Good to be with you once again. Jeff Joniak, Tom there, Jim Miller with you. And Tom, been holding on for a few minutes in Lincoln Square. Thanks for the hold, buddy. What's on your mind? All right, well, I want to talk about the draft, but before I get into it, uh, Tom was asking about what some of his fans thought about Mitch, and I want to say that Mitch wiped out any the few dots they may have had the way he played at the end of the Eagles game. I mean, to play, I agree, he played yep, great yep. under pressure. The guy was fantastic. Hey, right? Tom, real, was that drive, it's a defining drive a little bit, isn't it? That This is what I'm capable of in clutch yes. moments. That's the one you circle right there. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the kid's got the – it factor and those. In fact, pressure. He seems to play his best under pressure. So that's what I love about him. But okay, so the draft. 
my prediction is that it's going to be best athlete available. Everyone's saying RB, but Nagy wants a special kind of RB, you know, receiver, runner, fast, quick, all this stuff. I don't think, I don't think it's going to get it in the third round pick. And you've got Cordella Patterson who could also, as a changeup, you know, going to do some changeup at RB. So I think it's going to be best athlete available, which is what, you know, given uh, Aaron Lynch and Carson being signed, I think the Bears are in a great position to do that. I just wonder if you guys you, think that's how it's going to fall. You know, Tom, it's a, it is a good point you're making because Matt Nagy has always said, I'm not looking for a bell cow. I'm not looking for a 30-carry-a-game running back going 16 games. He's looking for someone to contribute to the offensive scheme each week that best fits the vulnerabilities of the opponent. But that, that is a good point. Tom? Thanks. Thanks. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Appreciate Tom. It, Tom. Appreciate um, it, Tom. So I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah. the, the, you know, the, you're never going to have enough on your roster. You certainly, you never could have enough corners. You can never have enough pass rushers, obviously, as well. Uh, and they're still building the offense and, and hoping guys grow. So it, it very well could be best position available. And, and in the case of the Bears right now, they don't have a ton of needs. Um, I don't know we, where they One thing go. we know about Ryan Pace, he has a great poker face. From yeah. the Mitch deal to... The Khalil Mack deal, he has got a great poker face, and there, anything could be happening. Well, and you, and you look, I mean, look at Kansas City. I mean, they trusted Kareem Hunt right out right out the gate for that football team as a rookie. Here, if you know, you feel you're a team that can that can make a run. You know, there are there are other teams out there that probably wouldn't trust a, a rookie running back. I mean, look how uh, even the New England Patriots they sat James White for basically a couple of years. Here's Sony Michelle. He was a rookie who came in and had an instant impact. So I'm sure you know they're going to have a lot more information if it say it is a running back that they would trust in that situation for a team that 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 feels I would think that they can make a run at at the playoffs and to trust a rookie because you look at Kareem Hunt. I mean the guy led the league in rushing as a rookie and I think he only fumbled once that rookie year when when he was drafted by Kansas City. Well, Jim and Jeff, let me ask you a question: Do you have a carry count for Tree Cohen? Like, okay, I'll give him this many carries from the running back position a game, but I, I kind of... See, I'm going to dismiss it out of hand only because of this reason. Matt does not believe in like, okay, I'm gonna, somebody's going to get 10 carries a game here. Yeah. It's just one game, it might right, be 15. Okay. Next game might be one. Right. And I think that's how he rolls. So it's hard to say that from like what you'd want as a football fan of this team. I mean, I still believe I would like to see one guy... You know, he gets you know, his 15 to 20. Somehow. When Tom brought up the last drive by Mitchell Trubisky in the Philly game, that thing started with a Tariq Cohen kickoff return. So, you know, there's a lot of different how can you feed Tariq Cohen the ball when you need it the most? And yes, yeah, some of the punishment might have to come as a kick returner with the difficulty of the schedule and where you need to gain field position in important moments. Yeah, you can you can get him as touches in other ways, whether it's in the a return game. And I, you know, I'm I'm kind of with Jeff on this. It's kind of how the game unfolds. At times, though, I was I wanted Jordan Howard because you look how he took off. I thought the second half of the year he performed much better. I thought he ran extremely well against Minnesota. I thought he ran hard against against Philadelphia. You know, I I like that big back option to kind of salt away a game. Uh, towards the end of the game. All right, I wanted to go back because uh, I, I saw this right before we got on the show. So we're talking about the uh, the the end today of the Alliance of American Football, and you talk about you know guys trying to get their careers going again and and trying to be seen. So uh, it's Taiwan James or Taiwan Jones. Remember Taiwan Jones? Yeah. Today he says I literally dropped everything I had going on and just signed a contract last night at 9 p.m. 
to play in the AAF. I was excited to get back doing what I loved, and in less than 24 hours, the league's canceled. Yet, it's about the players. I'm sick. The XFL will relaunch next year in a bit for the lasting success as a spring football league. Uh, so maybe that's his next spot. But that's the, the raw emotion of a player that thought he was going to get a chance to get a look before training camp. Well, I, you know, I think maybe the AAF, the Alliance of American Football, I think maybe it lit a match under a lot of players who kind of re re-up themselves and have you know the opportunity to approach the XFL now and hopefully that will have more sustaining power you know maybe this is a ploy to hopefully get some assistance from the NFL but I I I wasn't disappointed in the product I saw on the field hey you want to what you got other leagues out there that have been around a long time you know we can say you know if player a lot of players don't like to go up to Canada to play here Johnny Manziel comes works his way out of Canada gets signs back here in the United States now he's out of a job again <laughs> all right sure. so you know plenty of players get signed from the CFL there's arena leagues out there as well I saw Ron Jaworski as he owns a, an arena team he was quick to say hey come on over to the arena league um you know so it'll be interesting cuz even the XFL with, with with McMahon selling, I think what he sold like two hundred seventy five million of his stock in WWE, he's now close to five hundred million mm. that supposedly he's invested. I don't even know if that's enough. I mean, think about right. the amount of an individual franchise and what they're they're you know they're paying to do in terms of everything that is paid for. I mean, the players alone for the AAF to me it was a bad model. It, those players were getting paid eighty thousand dollars a year for whatever it was an eight game season. I'm not saying I don't want players to be paid, but but Tom, I played over in the World League, and we were happy to get 25, you know. And I know times have changed, but I thought even they kind of overpriced in, in how they set up the league without the investors to begin with. All right, one more call before we wrap things up here tonight. Uh, oh, no, he that, okay, I thought so. I thought so. I said, no, it can't be you too. You talk to Big Tom again? But it looked like the, the, the clock had reset, so no, we'll, we'll, we'll pass on that. Um I, I'm just, you know, it's uh, to me, it's the hardest thing to do is have another football league. So it, it's just, it's really a tough, tough battle. And, you know, well, we'll unless see you get I'll... that TV contract, how yeah. are you going to survive? Right. I mean, here at Fox and CBS, they all pay the NFL billions of dollars. The AAF didn't have that set up. Right. All right, you let's know, talk referees. You know, you have let's to cons- talk referees. You have to consider major college football, uh, a football league also, yeah, because is, that is the is breeding ground. So seven out of 17 referees have retired in the last year what 13 months is this a red flag of concern obviously they're going into the tv booth and they're becoming analysts as opposed to referees pay might be better and the pressure's not as severe there's always a young group of guys that they set their sights on someday officiating officiating an nfl contest paying their dues to do so and these referees that we say we see throughout the league jeff and you read about their occupations week in and week out they are successful self-made men and women, and women. And I think um, it opens the opportunities for all the men and women who want to become referees in the NFL. Jim? They're asking them to do more. Dean Blandino, former NFL head of officiating, probably said it the best. The NFL doesn't value that position. Think They're asking these officials to do more, like Al Riveron. There's a reason why Dean Blandino walked away from it. They tried to resign him. He said, no, I'll I'll go over here and do this TV work instead. That's Jim Miller, Tom Thayer. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for all your calls. Thanks to DeAndre Houston Carson and to Mike Chen and Herb Lawrence for helping us out as always. That'll do it this week on Bears All Access. Have a great night, everybody. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. 
Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by CDW, Athletico Physical Therapy, and Ford. 